2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. the poster said, See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out?
0: because
3: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
2: now.
0: What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG 13.
1: This is the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, I'm Phil Kirkbride and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gab Bucklands as due the Fat. Over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and Police Report, a full clean bill of health for the podcasters today, injury-free, unlike the Blues sadly of course, cont- contending with a number of injuries, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Abdoulaye Ducoura and as Rafa Benitez revealed at today's press conference, Yerry Mina adding to the list of people on the treatment table. So we will talk injuries, we will talk Watford, how Everton go about patching themselves up and responding and getting the results at Goodison tomorrow. Uh, And of course, we will talk ticket prices, Everton confirming that as of next season, ticket prices at Goodison for the first time in a very long time will rise ahead of the impending move, if you like, to Bramley Moore Dock and the increase in ticket prices and how Everton ultimately... Begin to maximise a new stadium and ultimately pay for it as well, I guess. So we'll start preno with the injury news. Um, Tuesday was a bit of a, a bit of a, a double blow, wasn't it? Tuesday morning, Abdellah Decoré stress fracture or stress response, should we say, in the foot, uh, out for four, five, six, maybe longer weeks. Tuesday evening, Dominic Calvert Lewin confirmation he had a setback. Obviously, the club confirming that twenty four hours later. Um, and, again, not really sure. Rafa's not really sure. Talking about four to five weeks, maybe, then let's see how he is. Either way, Prenner, we're talking about, you know, month plus after the international break, at least, before we get two vitally important players back. It's
3: been a utterly wretched start to the season as far as injuries go. Um, and if you add into the fact, last season's Player of the Year, Player of the Year, Ben Godfrey, Revealing that, you know, he's been suffering so badly from the after effects of COVID. The, you know, it was a swollen heart, I read, which sounds absolutely terrifying. Um, as well as, you know, so the the exhaustion that he's been suffering as a result of it. So the manager, the new manager, has had to handle all these incredible setbacks in the stars of the season. And he's done it without complaint, to be fair. You know, so he's managed to put together a decent, solid run of results. And he's not really made an issue of it. Um, I know managers often don't like to do that. Well, actually, there's two schools of thought. Some managers do uh, because they like to think that, you know, so it galvanises a squad and, you know, creates a bit of a siege mentality. And everyone starts pulling together. But others think that it can have a negative effect. And, you know, so players start lacking a bit of confidence. So start thinking, wow, we're we really in such, you know, so dire straits. Uh, he seems to be, you know, so, you know, right down the middle. You know, so he's got confidence in the players. He's got available. He's not made an issue of it. And he's just found a way around it. He's found a solution. Um, and it is—it's it's deeply, deeply, you know, so sort of concerning. Decourte is so important to the squad, the energy he brings. We were only saying in the last pod about you know, so sort of what a revelation he'd been, and you know, so sort of how he looks like a completely reborn player. He's taken out of the out of the equation. You know, you'd argue that Andre Gomez might be a, not, a natural replacement. He's injured at the moment. Uh, Jean Philippe Gabamin who's also a natural replacement. Hasn't played, you know. Played one full match all season because he's been injured. It just seems to be like one thing after another. So yeah, it's it's a concern, and they are all really influential, important players as well. They're not fringe players, you know. They're all key players. But it's pointless moaning about it, you know. You've got to get on with it. You've got to try and find a way around it. It's happened. You've got to try and find a solution, and the manager has been doing that. So we're not going to beat ourselves up. We're not going to get really down about it. We're just going to talk about the opportunities it then presents for other players in the squad, and I'm. Praying and hoping that Richarlison is fit enough to start. Another manager was fairly non-committal in his press conference and talked about, um, you know, so his, his match fitness might be an issue, but he's actually over the uh, over the injury itself. Uh, but we'll know that talk about the, the nuances and the team selection and stuff later. Uh, but bottom line is, yeah, he's had an awful lot of uh, you know sort of problems thrown at him at the start of this season, and uh, so far he's managed to find his way through the majority of them. Let's hope he can continue to do so on Saturday.
1: Well, I've just compiled a very, very quick list of players who, have, off the top of my head, have either suffered injury or have been impacted by COVID um, since the start of the season. Pickford, Godfrey, Coleman, Mina, Luka Dean hasn't missed a game but has been injured. Decorey, Gabamin, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Tom Davis, Iwobi, uh, and I put Tosin on there because, of course, he's injured as well. Anthony Gordon, I think he had COVID and missed a couple of games. Mm. I mean, is there anybody else, Adam, that you think we've we've missed uh, missed off that list? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a ridiculous list and every team has injuries and there's misfortune in there. You know, you think about Delph and his shoulder, you think about Richarlison and Tarkovsky and you think COVID is is a separate issue altogether, but there are, you know, that's a lot of injuries. It just feels, I mean, I, you know, our, our Everton continually walking under ladders because it just feels like there's bad luck and then there's
0: bad luck. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've often talked over the last couple of years about Jean-Philippe Gabam and particularly having uh, a real case of bad luck, but it just seems to have spread to the rest of the Everton squad uh, so far this season. You know, Yeti Mina's one in, you know, particularly, you know, he goes, goes away on international duty, plays three games for Colombia and then he comes back and you know he starts feeling his hamstring in training. Fingers crossed that's not going to keep him out uh, for too long. But then, you know, as you say, you've got to contend with you know, the the players who are suffering from COVID and you know the complications that uh, follows. You know, coming back from COVID as well. It it is just an absolutely uh, ridiculous run of bad luck. But I think it's you know, it's right what Preno says that you know, Rafa Benitez hasn't exactly come out and been moaning too much about this. I think he's just kind of taking everything in a stride when i think of you know in either of us all right uh all of his rights to j- just go well this is just this is just getting a little bit ridiculous now but uh he, he's, he's he's just kind of taking it all in his stride and he he seems to be focusing on the positive aspects of you know the opportunities that this could potentially uh potentially give to a couple of other players in the squad and i think that's the only way that you've got to look at it, really, isn't it? I mean, that's the reason that we put, we put together a score for the, for the Premier League. So, it is is, it it is a really unfortunate situation for Everton to have to deal with, of course. And, you know, you, you never want to be in this situation. But, you know, with a home game against Watford coming up and then an away trip to Wolves just before the international break as well, isn't it? You know, are they are they two all right games to have? It, to for these for these injury issues, you know they're games that you'd probably expect to take a fair amount of points from, so yeah, I think it potentially could have could have been worse, and you know hopefully hopefully this this kind of comment doesn't backfire on me in a in a in a week or so, but you know I think Everton do have the kind of squad that should be able to to deal with these uh, issues, so fingers crossed it's not gonna. Affect the squad too badly. Well, we'll have to wait and see, of course.
1: Well, Gav, that, that is neatly sort of segues onto what I want to ask you, because, you know, Preno and, and Adam are right. Rafa hasn't complained and, 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 and credit to him for that. He's got on with it. And for the most part, he's made a very good use and, and, and made the very best of an of a, of a, of a increasingly bad situation in that front. But will he be worried? Because my reflections of the game on Sunday were that had we been full strength, yes, it would have been a tight game. West Ham are a good team. Yeah. But we would have well been in the shout of getting something. How long can the manager continue to make the best of a bad situation? Because it felt like Sunday against a better team in West Ham, ultimately we couldn't get over the line because we weren't full strength or close to full strength. You know, and uh, You know, we should beat Watford tomorrow. And we, and we may well do, yeah. and fingers crossed we do. But it's not—it's not something that Rafa will accept in terms of being comfortable with. Yeah, let's just crack on. He will be worried, won't
2: he? Yeah. Did you mention Gomez on your list, by the way?
1: Oh, I didn't. Yeah, just add oh, no. <laughs> Gomez. Yes.
2: Uh, I was just. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you mentioned Dalfaxi on the list. It's, it's, it's The assumption is he's injured anyway. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, regarding your question, yeah. Got two games, okay. Then we got—is it the break? Then we got Man City away, haven't we? Which, with all due respect, even with the full team, uh, we may struggle. Um, so you, you're looking really—is it the derby the first week in December? Yeah. You'd be got Brentford away. I think is it the
1: after City? You look, yeah.
2: You're looking. You're looking really by the derby is is that you'd want one or two back? When you really you can possibly survive the next two games and say City away doesn't really matter what team you put out. Um, We've got Spurs in that run as well, guys. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, and difficult game. Well, let, let, me, yeah. let, me, let, me, let
1: me read the fixtures then for the next yeah. four to five weeks. If we're basing on best case scenarios that Decore and Calvert Lewin could be back, could, I want to stress. Watford at home, Wolves away, Spurs at home, City away, Brentford away. So if, you, if we base on the assumption, as you say, City is very difficult. There's two home games, uh two uh, and two away games against Wolves and Brentford. I mean twelve of twelve points an offer in those games, Gav. I mean, you're looking for realistically.
2: six. six. Yeah. Six,
1: seven, uh, yeah. you know
2: it wouldn't, be, wouldn't be the worst, I mean. It's December's the bad month, isn't it, in terms of fixtures and you know, it's actually not not the worst time. I think if I was you that you'd say, Well, actually defensively, we're pretty well off in terms of numbers, aren't we? Centre off you know, we've got got a few um uh, few options there. Um it's up front even, you know, we we've got a couple of options which Richarlison comes back. To me it's the it's the midfield, isn't it? It's the, the two, three, four people there that actually we've got no option, have we? The core right? we just can't replace the core, can you? I mean he he provides something that nobody else in the team provides. Um so, if I was beneath that, I'd say, yeah, there's a lot of numbers on that list, but in terms of impacting, if you looked at the three areas, defence, midfield, attack, you'd say, defence, I can, you know, manoeuvre things around there. Up front, i I say, Richarlison comes back, manoeuvre things around there. It's that midfield, isn't it, where we've just mm-hmm. got no option. And what I think the difference for us, as we've all said on the pod, this season is we've played positive from for football, not necessarily effective in possession, but when we've had the ball we've really gone for it, four or five players at pace. And the reason for that is we have been far more expansive in midfield, haven't we, with Tacore than we have have been in previous seasons. And I think not to have decorate means that I know Adam you did a piece on this earlier on the week, didn't you, about the the whole structure of the team and the look of the team you know might have to change a little bit. Um and that's the concern because we, we just haven't got anybody who can even come into for decor, That right? you'd say, yeah, he's a good replacement. I mean, Tom, out of form, we're talking. You know, Gabamon, you know, let's face it, would struggle. Um, and then you, all of a sudden, you, you're running out of options there, aren't you? So I would say, yeah, we've got a big list. But if you're as the one area of the pitch you'd be worried about will be midfield. Another thing as well is Alan is prone, is to pick him up the
1: odd knock here and there. So. Well, m- mercifully, yeah. Alan's not it's picked up an interest, injury. And, me, yeah. and, and, and thankfully, uh, Damari Gray and Andros Townsend, Touchwood, have, have remained fit. And I'm trying to look, you know, look, and we, and we talk about transfer windows a lot on this pod, but, you know, even now, because the manager's looking and he's looking to January, of course he is. If, if you're Rafa Benitez, this afternoon, on your way home from Finch Farm, thinking about the game tomorrow, thinking about the game's... Coming up, thinking about your squad options, you know, in the second half of the season. If there's going to be one position that he's got to go out and target or attempt to target to strengthen the squad, where's that got to be?
3: Wow. Um I suppose it has to be midfield, you know. So given you know, so the the lack of options available to him at the moment, but that that can change quickly, you know, if Abdul Edicora suddenly gets um a boost, and we hear that he's available sooner than we expected. If Gomez and Gabamin can suddenly recover fitness and you know, sort of get a run of form together. If Fabian Delph can miraculously, you know, sort of get you know, sort of a month without injury and uh, can make himself available because he's a good player for him. Delph. We just haven't seen him often enough. Um, suddenly, you know, the, the priority shifts elsewhere, but at the moment it would have to be in that area. Um, I mean, he brought in a striker, and I know Salomon Rondon uh causes people to raise eyebrows, you know, so sort of given how slowly he's taken to you know get his match fitness up there. But without him, what would we have done? There's literally nobody else. We would have been you know throwing youngsters, you know, sort of like lambs to the slaughter there, you know, so sort of Lewis Dobbin, you know, so sort of having to lead the line as a as a youngster, or it would be a false nine, wouldn't it? It'd be Alex Iwobi leading the line or something. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So you know it's as well that he did bring in that player when he did. So yeah, whilst you know so sort of the forward line is still you know so sort of far from flush with options i think midfield probably has to be the priority and we know that the manager is looking you know so around at the moment i know jesse lingard's name has been linked with us over the last third day or so um he's been speaking to the hierarchy about how much money he may have available you know so in january and clearly he does want to bring in you know some kind of reinforcements which will clearly be you know so much needed because we're struggling now We're struggling now with international breaks and when the games haven't really been thick and fast. I mean, December, there's like games literally every three or four days. And those fixed changes have actually done us a little bit of a favour. You know, the, the games have been spread out a little more evenly. I mean, yeah, the derby yeah. match was supposed to be 48 hours, or so, you know, literally yeah. two and a half days after Brentford. It's now an extra day's grace. The Chelsea game's being put back to the Thursday now, so that gives us, again, you know, so another day's grace. So there's a slightly more even, you know, split amongst them. But equally, there's still, you know, so three games a week, you know, so throughout the course of that month. And at the moment, the squad's not capable of handling the fixtures thrown at them, so God knows what it's going to be like in December. So uh, we might well need reinforcements, either that or, you know, so a lot of players suddenly, you know, so recovering from injury quicker than we expected.
1: Yeah, seven games in December. Just a quick rundown for anybody who needs a reminder. Uh, Starting on the 1st of December, Liverpool at home. 6th of December, Arsenal at home. 12th of December, Palace away. 16th of December on that Thursday night, Chelsea away. 20th of December, Leicester at home. Boxing Day, Burnley away. And then the 30th, home to Newcastle. So, you know, a run of fixtures which... You know, it includes Liverpool and Chelsea, and and obviously home game to Leicester. But also, also does include opportunities.
0: Well, that's it, and I, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a little bit unfortunate in a way that we've we've been dealt that kind of hand. So he, you know, he, he will be absolutely hoping that the likes of you know Abdellah Diore, it, it will uh, his return will be on the shorter end of the scale in terms of his uh, recovery. Certainly, Dominic Calvert Lewin, he'll want him back at the shorter end of the scale in terms of recovery. But I think you know the 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 real key then will be to keep everybody fit when they are when they are fit again. Like I mean I know we've talked about how much bad luck that we've had in terms of you know you can't really account for a t- challenge such as the one like James Tarkovsky and you can't really account for you know a training ground injury like Fabian Delph had for example, although it does seem that Everton seem to just pick up a lot of training ground injuries, don't they? So although know, I think it's worth quite
1: Sorry, I mm. think it's worth pointing out, actually. on on and, and it is unfortunate with the shoulder injury, although I did find the other day, and I was doing a little bit of research, Delph has had sh- dislocated shoulder problems at other clubs, at, certainly at Villa, who's out for an extended period with a dislocated shoulder. So, again, I, I mean, look, we can't speculate too much on, on, on that because we don't know the fine details, but it's not a new injury. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, perhaps it's a... Perhaps it's maybe a side effect of the fact that, you know, we, we have seen, well, we've heard from players that Rafa Benitez is pushing them really hard in terms of, you know, trying to get them, you know, match ready and trying to implement his new style on the players. Maybe this hard sort of training is just taking its toll on a couple of players in terms of, you know, it's obviously hard to speculate, as you say, isn't it? But, you know, that's maybe where my thinking's going with it. And, you know, after a few months of it, maybe it'll sort of die down and players will kind of get used to their the bodies will be ready for it. And, you know, hopefully we'll see a lot less injuries in the future. But I think you're right in what you say in terms of those, you know, Burnley and Newcastle games. And, you know, it, it's those kinds of games that we that we really missed out on last season, wasn't it? They were the kind of games that really made sure that we didn't qualify for any sort of European football. So there's no doubt that Rafa Benitez will be looking at those, you know, Burnley away and Newcastle at home, was it? You know, they're two games that you, you've got to be thinking to yourself, well, you know, even in the most tricky of circumstances, Everton should be taking six points out of those games. You know, the the kinds of ambitions that we're going to have from the end of the, from now until the end of the season. I know Burnley away is is a tricky game, you know, for for a lot of teams and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but they, on the balance of the squads, those those are those are two games that Everton should really be should really be taking six points from. So, yeah, I think it's it's all about how well Everton can recover their players now and. You know looking ahead to the January transfer window, I think is maybe just a bit too premature at the minute. I think it's just, you know, we're still we are still we haven't even finished October yet. You know, obviously you'd want the hierarchy to be looking at who they might be able to sign in January. But in terms of you know as, as supporters now you're just thinking to yourself, right, let's just get let's just get, you know, some semblance of a squad. <laughs> half fit at least, so we can actually attack these games in December. Because you know if we if we do manage to do that and we can get a few players rehabilitated on the quicker end of the scale, rather than having to wait a long time for them. Then, realistically, we could have a good go at those December games. You know, even not even just the Burnley and the Newcastle games. We need to be having, looking to have a go at you know, those you know, the Merseyside derby and that Chelsea game as well. So, you know, fingers crossed, we are able to recover a few players by that point because, Lord knows, I think we've had a season of seasons worth of bad luck at the start of this uh, campaign so far.
1: Mm-hmm. Just as just an aside and going back to potentially midfield options, somebody on Twitter in the week, I think it might have been Matt Jones from the Blue Room, um, pointed out that Donny van der Beek has played five minutes of Premier League football this season, two less than Fabian Delph. <laughs> which is quite, quite the stat. Um, Gav, um, the football club announced the, co- the arrival of a new first-team um, rehab and fitness coach this week, Christian Fernandez worked with Rafa at Newcastle. What do you make of that significant in the sense of of his yeah. role and, yeah. and, and and what his expertise is there? If it feels it, and you know, given <laughs> given what we've we've just been talking about on the pods, you know, yeah. Christian's in the door, isn't he? And um, hopefully going to improve that that aspect.
2: Uh, absolutely. Um i just say talking about fitness and wellbeing, it's good to see that the Brighton game's been put back at Diaz next to the second of January from the uh, the first of January. So um... Yeah, slightly more comfortable this year, yeah, I think, yeah. uh, than a home game at Goodison on, on at like twelve forty-five on New Year's Day. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not not an expert in sports sides, but I would imagine if you if you're a football manager, you'd want people working underneath you, you, you've worked with before, who are familiar to your with your training methods and what you want out of players. So, I think that's just a logical logical appointment, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be a busy, lad. Like i mean, don't, don't know whether people have in trays now do they in the digital age but i would imagine his, his email box would be a uh, full boner yeah and, uh, there,
1: there will be quite a few people knocking on his door Put yeah, it that way. yeah if he, if he has time to sit in his office he's probably just in the uh in the treatment room isn't
2: he uh, absolutely so uh, i think uh no seriously it's 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 it, it, it savvy appointment, isn't it you want people in that area that have worked with you before uh, and hopefully you know we can expect you know quicker than quicker recoveries than what may have happened otherwise so yeah I'm fully supporting and understand that appointment Phil um
1: we will come back to Watford and maybe how the team will look and, and, and thoughts and predictions uh before we end the pod but let's go on to uh preno uh the club um sending out to supporters uh on thursday evening um email from Denise Barra Baxendale with a link to a survey and the confirmation from the chief executive that from next season, uh, ticket prices at Goodison will go up. Uh, I believe from what Denise was saying, um, the club believe that in real terms over, I think it was the last 10 years or so, ticket prices have actually gone down 25%. Um, you know, commendably, the club have always either frozen season ticket prices or had offers and and, and really tried hard to keep football uh, affordable for, 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 for Blues. Um you know, have you sensed? Is there an was there an inevitability that that day would come to an end and ticket prices would have to go up at Goodison, and of course, leading into a new stadium at Bramley Moor?
3: Of course, we've got a five hundred million quid investment there that needs paying for somehow. Uh, so it, it was always going to go up. But what what I took from that statement is that Everton have been absolutely outstanding in delivering, you know, sort of affordable, you know, so sort of Premier League entrance fees. Uh, for many many years i think they will continue uh, to you know sort of devote themselves to that but there will be a much broader range of prices when it comes to the uh, the new stadium and that there'll be much more hospitality uh, options there'll be you know sort of better quality premium seating if you like which they can't do uh, at goodison park and so that those you know well-heeled supporters that can afford to watch their uh, their match you know, the game in comfort or you know want to see uh, a vista of players walking out of the tunnel before the game uh, will be able to do so but equally there will still be affordable you know so sort of ticketing you know so for, for the less wealthy fans of which there are plenty you know so around uh, around L4 uh, but what was also quite reassuring as well was the actual time scale that was talked about in the there were actual not dates as such, but you know, so chronological times when uh, these decisions are going to be made. You know, so when prices are going to go up and when prices are going to be revealed for the new stadium. And again, that just like made me think, yeah, this is like really on its way. This is really on its way to being delivered. It's happening. You know, in the same week that we had, uh, you know, sort of talk of concrete pilings being, you know, so sort of laid into the grounds at Bramley Moor. No idea what that means, but it sounds good, and it sounds like. <laughs> sounds like foundations are being you know sort of put in place so it's all meaningful progress it's all you know sort of steps in the right direction and yeah of course you know so sort of ticket prices going up is going to be part of that uh, likewise when it comes to naming rights you know so we know, you know we totally expect that there will be you know some company's uh, name I don't think we need to think too long and hard as to you know so which company may get preferential treatments in that one uh, will be you know so sort of over the stadium it's just a fact of life. Uh, and it's nothing to, you know, bemoan. You know, we're all looking forward and all very excited about this new stadium. And I think, you know, we need to accept that we're going to have to pay a little bit more, you know, so for the entrance fee, if that's the, if that's the case.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the
1: roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5pm Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's the reaction being from... Friends, family, uh, people you, you you follow on social media to, to the news that you know a ticket price rise is on the horizon.
0: Yeah, I've got a couple of family members who are still season ticket holders, and I think you know when when you get past the initial wave of you know it's, it's obviously a little bit disappointing that you have to pay a little bit more money to awesome. you know to experience something that you've been experiencing for the last few years. But at the same time, I think there's a there is just a certain level of understanding, and I think you know the key aspect of this from. Denise that got sent out yesterday is that, you know, the, she made very clear that Everton would continue to consult, you know, the fans forum and different sorts of fan groups uh, in the next couple of weeks and months leading up to season ticket prices getting revealed in uh, in December, I think it is. So, you yeah, know, I, I think that's just a really important aspect of it, isn't it? You know, the fans are still kept in the loop and that's why it's quite nice to see. Uh, these kinds of emails, as Preno says, you know it's tangible progress, not just out on the site, but kind of off the site as well, and preparing uh, the groundwork as it were, you know, off the pitch in terms of going forward to this uh, to this new stadium. So I think it's just it's just important to make that clear for everybody, isn't it? And you know, as long as there are, you know, within this you know, wider range of tickets options that you're going to have in terms of, you know, hospitality and, you know, different sort of bars and restaurants and premium seating that you can have. As long as there is still, you know, very affordable options for people who have been living in the local area and supporting Everton all their lives, as, as, as long as those kind of affordable options as it they might be a little bit, they might be a little bit more expensive. Uh, but as long as those affordable options are still there, then I think that people are relatively going to be uh happy with it and i think you know it, there, there was a sort of impending sense that this was potentially going to happen wasn't it you know you can't just freeze season ticket prices uh forever especially when you're moving to a new stadium as well i think if we would have free, frozen season ticket prices at goodison right up until the new stadium it would have been a massive leap wouldn't it then essentially moving into the new stadium and i think that would have been a lot more jarring so i think it's potentially a little bit smart what the club are doing here to try and you know gauge this very early doors and see if you know they can you know learn from any potential mistakes that might happen etc or you know you know maybe improve on things in the future they're giving themselves a a decent amount of time to try and improve uh, their options which i think is you know really you know smart and credible at the end of the day isn't it so you know it's i think there's a there's a tiny tinge of disappointment that you know first comes with it but i think in general it's a it's a very realistic thing that we've uh, we've all got to deal with isn't it and I think the club are dealing with it quite admirably I'd have to say
1: Yeah Gav I mean thoughts that, that sort of come to mind you know look absolutely credit to football club there doesn't seem to be in it. there's no secret they aren't just dumping a price rise on fans there's yeah. going to be consultation um, and there's you know they're flagging up the dates as Preno said look we'll, we'll confirm new price rises you know they're going to come in but, but call me an old cynic but at the end of the day they will consult fans, but ultimately there's a price rise coming whether we like it or not. There's not gonna be a backtrack because they've made it they've equally made it clear in what they said on Thursday night was that cost of a new stadium, impact of COVID, yeah. we've frozen them for God knows how long. Sorry, but it's they're gonna go up.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean ultimately, you know, business not a charity for for once for a better phrase. No, you know, obviously you've got the yeah, in the community but from a footballing perspective I think as Adam said there was two, two things that struck me being a smart move as Adam's just said there that it's like a stepping stone isn't it to yeah. Bramley Moore I think the other thing as well is don't think people want to give up their seat for the last couple of years of Goodison will they yeah. for the sake of a couple of quid and miss out on like missing the final season final game of Goodison so in that respect I thought there was two smart moves Um I think it's worth noting here that the club has done a lot over the last 10 15 years of making it affordable. I think it's at 20 25% of fans paid less than 10 a pound or less a game, is it on average something like that for season tickets, which is all very laudable. But at some point, you've got to pay for pay for the business and, and, and expand. Uh, you know, we, we, we get less income now from goods than what we were 13 14 years ago, which is. You know, we, we've we've got to redress that balance, and if you want to be competitive, so yeah, I I can only support what Dave and Adam said. Really, I, I appreciate uh, the clubs, you know, um, understanding of supporters over the last ten, fifteen years. But at the same time, it is a business. But same, this type, this is the type of thing Everton do well, don't they? You? you know, compared to other clubs, I, I always get them this type of stuff we do we do well. Um, and the one thing though is not not a concern with to flight is the placing system for, for for bramley moore i mean we've got to triple the amount of money that we get from goodison at the moment from fans just to stay where we are because we'll have a 20 25 million pound debt to pay off on on the on on the ground so yeah. we've got to earn 40 45 million pound a year from spectators at bramley moore just to stand still yeah uh, and that that's that's where the you know bob penna was talking there about premium seating and stuff like that plus i think as well people will pay more for the best best experience won't they yeah so it's, it's not like raising the places two or three times a goods and you go going to another ground far better facilities far better the area in terms of you know the, the you know what, what it can offer on match day. so that's for another day uh i think this is part of that getting to the 40 to 45 million pound a year uh gate receipts as i mm. said quite rightly to go from have a massive step cliff face brandy more it, it, that might it'd be when we go around would be great but imagine if you did not have a price increase and all of a sudden it went up significantly it'll sort of spoil the moment wouldn't it to, to a degree so i just think it's that this is part of the 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 uh the, the transformation into brand more I think and I think it's a pretty smart move from the club and most mm-hmm. people I've seen have expect, ex, ex, you know, ex, expected it yeah. you know yeah. where else have you paid the same or less for the service from now than what you were 10 15 years ago
1: yeah absolutely although the, the quality of the product's not always been the same
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that's, well, that, but that ultimately you know that that is the thing isn't it Phil for all we say about it, if you've got a good team got a good team people will come and watch you.
3: Yeah, you know? exactly,
2: and uh, that—that's that's the pressure on the pitch, and it all gets back to getting our injured players back and all this.
1: Indeed, you know? indeed. Um, Preno, uh, the football club announced uh, yesterday as well that Richard Kenyon has stepped down from his role at Everton in the community and will take on new responsibility with a focus on the stadium and to quote, try and maximise opportunities unquote from the new stadium. And look, look, this is a very Difficult question, and I'm not expecting a detailed answer because we don't know, we don't know, we don't know numbers, and we don't know prices. But as a as a general feel, how difficult do you think it would be for the club to strike a balance where 13,000 or so fans who would take up the south stand, the behind the goal, the new home end, if you like, at Bramley Moor Dock, and be made up of your almost like your extended Gladys Street, you know, that type of profile of fan and, and what have you. How much can the club, or how difficult or or, or possible will it be, do you feel the club can keep those tickets at a relatively affordable price, yet maximise what opportunities will come from a new stadium, corporate, different types of seats, you know, all of the fancy end of, of what Bramley Moore will offer. I mean, can we get enough out of that side, and a new type of, you said, well-heeled fan, to keep the ticket price is affordable for, for 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 an element of supporters who are used to paying a certain amount. That that's the great imponderable, isn't it? And it's why uh, you know so Richard has been moved
3: across from the role he did at Everton in the community which was outstanding uh, to move across, you know, to have a, a broad broader, uh, you know, sort of remit regarding the stadium because Everton traditionally has been the and it, it's it's a badge of honor that we wear sometimes. The working class club, you know, so the club with its, you know, so blue, blue collar, where you know, so supporters that creates that great atmosphere, although not in the last game, (laughs) but you know, so it does create like a really febrile atmosphere, and uh, you know, so we 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 lord that, but equally, you need a mix, you know, so you need supporters that can, you know, spend more money and generate more income for the football club, you know, so that the higher end, you know, so well heeled supporters, we describe them as. And Goodison hasn't had that, just never had the opportunity to do that. 12 hospitality boxes we've got at Goodison Park, uh, as well as, you know, so the, the various lounges, you know, so the Brian LeBone suite, the Alex Young suite, you know, the 1878, but there aren't many, to be fair. You know, they're probably running into the hundreds rather than the thousands of the number of supporters that will pay the extra money for them. And they're pretty much sold out, you know, so year in, year out. So it's it's... It's an I don't know as to how much more they can possibly, you know, sort of attract in. You would imagine with a brand new stadium, there's going to be a, on the banks of the Mersey as well, there's going to be a great deal of excitement and a great deal of interest in us. Um, You know, the passing football fan which we need to attract, you know, so, you know, to get 50 odd thousand worth of, you know, sort of fans in every single week, you're not going to get, you know, so every single, you know, so ever in the area coming down, you also need to try and attract new supporters. So that's why they're creating new roles at the moment. I saw another job advertised on one of the sites this week for a, uh, a manager that's basically got to try and attract you know that kind of supporter uh, to Goodison Park, so we need to wait and see. But it's a challenge, it's something that the club you know sort needs to look at doing. And you can guarantee that there'll be you know some marketing that really really aggressively you know so a long time before Bramley Moor opens, and they're uh, trying to attract those kind of supporters there because they're key. You know, so because we do need to generate. A huge amount of money uh, from that stadium, you know, so to pay for it and to take Everton, you know, into the echelons of the Premier League. that We want to see them at by being able to generate extra income from match days and therefore pay greater, you know, so salaries to players and afford more players in the transfer market because we can't rely on a wealthy benefactor anymore. As financial fair play appears to have done for us in that respect,
1: Gavi, mm. yeah, that's an interesting point that Prono makes in terms of the club's identity and its profile and its, um. Almost it's standing and um it's the perception of Everton from the outside as, you know, mm. people's club, affordable ticketing prices. How, how how much do you think there'll be that'll be conscious and how much do you think that it will focus and preoccupy the minds of the club's powers when they're creating the pricing structure? Because yeah, it's not something that we want to lose, yet we also want to modernize the football club and take us forward. Yeah. I mean, ultimately. Results and and success is, is is all that matters, and people say, you know, balls to your mottos. We don't care as long as we win. Yeah, but the but but Everton to to us and to most Evertonians, if not every Evertonian, it stands for something different. We feel to a lot of other clubs, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, because it's still very much a local community based club, isn't it? And that's great in one respect, but at the same time, we all know. The economics of the area, we don't need to go into that. And that affects how much people can pay. Um And, and just, I'm actually con- con- obliged here, Phil, to say that. <laughs> when we discussed the stage, and when me and Pernod went to uh, the live of builds at the, you know, as part uh-huh. of the head of society two and a half years ago, this is not something new. The club were talking about that to us then, to be honest with you, about the importance of premium seating and give, being a far more flexible approach to supporters <laughs> about what they wanted, you know different different levels of um you know it's, it's a seating you could have so we didn't just this is not something he thought up on Monday and just thought well let's best send something out by the end of the week. It's been to say it's been there for two two and a half years. Yeah it, it and and all this comes down to me it's the size of the fan base, isn't it? And this is you know we've had conversations about you know whether forty five thousand seats or fifty thousand or sixty thousand is we are we are a local, locally supported club. It may be 50, 60 thousand people so, you've got to, you know, want to see us. Um, so, you've got, you, we're not like, say, say Tottenham or Arsenal, where that figure's probably hundreds, 150,000 people, where they can just say, we'll have the 50,000 bitters fans and we'll place at that basis because they know there'll be another, and if they don't want to come, we know there'll be other people who want to come. With us, we've only got fifty six, maybe 50, 60,000. Liverpool got two hundred thousand members plus something like that, so it's it's a local locally supported club. So therefore, we have to be very cognizant compared to others about how we place it because if people don't want to go, we've got unlike other clubs, we've got nothing to to place them with. I mean, this this is some respects like City, even with all their success, and we give them have the same problem. Great football, great manager, success, but actually, they're still a locally supported club.
1: And you get pep
2: and yeah. th-
1: thinly veiled moans about fans not turning <laughs> yeah. up, and you're getting into battles with the supporters, and it all yeah. being a PR nightmare yeah.
2: because they're not like the London clubs or Liverpool and Man United, where they've got 100, 150,000 people plus ones to see them every week. They've got 50, 60,000, and we're in the same boat, so therefore, we have to be very careful. I approach it. This is I want to go back and so this is why I said the smaller stadium is probably would, would be my preferred option, probably. You know, uh, but ultimately, football, ultimately, Gav,
1: ultimately, Gav. Though, is it also as much as there is a, a, a maybe a, you know a finite pool currently? We've got a relatively modest season ticket waiting list, and as you say, a, a pool of of a, of a supporter base. But ultimately, if the club have the right people in the right positions to yeah. make Everton attractive to, I don't want to say fair-weather supporters. That's not right. But you know, casual fans
2: yeah the group of the group of fans sometimes come to
1: goodison but don't always go the other they've got other stuff at the weekend is it ultimately we could actually let's build a fifty-two, eight-eight-eight stadium and have more corporate boxes and let's employ the right people to make sure they're they're full
2: yeah yeah and you've got to get advice on the pitch as well um but some of that's to do with the placing isn't it you might get them in at 20 quid a time you might not get them in a minute 40 with the time, and that's that's the thing. And there's so many like the whole thing about that article a couple of years. Well, there's so many changes in the game, isn't it? Like more live football, you know, people's attention spans, all that type of stuff. And and I think so, therefore, we have to be very careful how we price it. Um, and I think the key is really the premium seats. The more premium seats we have, more expensive that reduces the, the pressures on the episodes, sort of, you know the local support who, who'll just want to pay 30 quid a game or something like that. Um so that we've got to get that right. That's the key to me. It's not necessarily the the lower, you know, the lower place fans. That that take care of itself if we get the placement right rate at the, the premium and the take up right there. Um so yeah it, it's 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 isn't it? The uh this and I, I think it was quite a smart move from the club yesterday to be fair and some would say maybe long overdue um and uh and i do think we acknowledge that we've not created a problem ourselves but the club's commitment to providing cheap football is also causing up other problems further further down the line you, you, you know you you damned if you do you're damned if you don't on this type of stuff aren't you really um
1: yeah because ultimately as well and i know there's, there's, there was some criticism at various points of of what robert elston did and some people said it was his ploys to reduce ticket prices was ultimately cynical and just trying to get Goodison full. But ultimately, if if he'd have hiked prices to get more money in and Goodison wasn't always full, that has a detriment to the team potentially. Um, and then he's criticised for yeah, not
2: saying yeah, and and the, and the thing is, I mean without I don't know, you know, like ten years ago we were averaging thirty one thousand Moises penultimate season. You know, eight thousand I mean we played City when Graham Gibson scored the goal. It was only thirty thousand on the ground, ten thousand empty seats against City didn't sound like it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've rectified and plus one on the pitch as well, spectator. <laughs> but we've, we, <laughs> but we've, we've rectified that by giving them more opportunities, a fairer, you know, um, for younger fans, which is that's is the future, isn't it? As, as they say, but at, at some point that has to change and that has to change in a more, you know, in, in a fairer way, but but uh, makes it more manageable for the club and spectators. So we need to get that balance right. Um. Mm-hmm i think the good thing the good for reaction for us last night was that a lot of fans actually think i'm not really opposed to where are they you know i can't see the be. i'll probably be wrong here yeah, they can't see being the walkout with 10 minutes left <laughs> tomorrow over over ticket places can you unlike uh, other clubs it's it was no, fair enough when fans did absolutely I fair. That. yeah no, you know, yeah, I was, was, you know was, and that was yeah. right that was right totally was, was, was yeah like, that was a process more against the the decision makers in the board i think yes with Everton. there's there's an appreciation actually what they're doing is is probably fair to them and fair to the club so i think that's uh i think you know that's all good from from my perspective
1: Hmm. interesting we could talk long and hard about ticket prices and it will come up uh, over the period now it's really going to be a talking point over the next two or three years isn't it as we uh Say farewell to Goodison and move towards Bramley uh, more. But, OK, finally then, Preda let's move on to the game. Give me your prediction for Everson versus Watford and also give me an idea of how you think Rafa is going to um, cope and, and, and pick a team without DeCorey, without Calvert-Lewin, maybe with Richarlison. we don't know if he's fit enough to start. Um, and, and give us your ideas of how you think it's going to go tomorrow. Right, my prediction
3: is thirty-eight thousand seven hundred and forty-two <laughs> in the attendance, and um, it's it's going to be a, a tough one. I, I genuinely think Solomon Rondon has to start. Uh, Richarlison played centre forward on his own away at Brighton and certainly against Burnley at Goodison, and struggled. You know, so he didn't look comfortable at all. And I know Benitez spoke afterwards positively about his contribution uh, in a selfless cause. He didn't look like he enjoyed the experience at all. Uh, and I think that, you know, so Rondon with Richarlison, you know, so playing either behind him or off him, um, you know, so it would be a much more effective, you know, use of his talents, especially if he's not fully match fit and especially if we're only going to get an hour or so from him. So I'd like to see that. Um, You know, other than that, I mean, if, if, who's going to replace uh, De Koury in midfield? That's such a tough one. Bamin's the obvious choice but he's clearly not match it's it's Tom Davis isn't it you know so Tom Davis is the the natural replacement I just you know worried that poor Tom's confidence seems at a low ebb at the moment um, obviously the penalty miss against QPR hurts him and then he, he seemed to be the subject of a lot of focus over that decision to pass uh, to Yeri Mina which was the right decision in my book I know people thought that he should have you know he should have shot you could argue Yerry Mina should have just like strayed uh, half a yard further back and you know had to tap him. Um, it was the unselfish thing to do, um, but he took a lot of uh, flack for it. But, you know, it, it's an opportunity for Tom Davis and he's got to t- try and take it. The Premier League is an unforgiving environment, so he's got to go in there and he's got to basically demand the ball and he's got to do things and he's got to, you know, so sort of basically you know, sort of be bold uh, and be authoritative. Uh, I think you know he would be the replacement uh, for me alongside Alan and it's up to him whether he can actually take that opportunity. Um, obviously, with uh, Yeri Mina being injured, the central defensive partnership are going to remain. Hopefully, Ben Godfrey will be a little bit brighter. You know, sort of having been another week further on, because I thought he was a little bit shaky last week compared to the high standards we used to from him. Hopefully, be better again. Right. Having said all that, Watford were woeful last week, utterly woeful, and everyone can sort. Talk- were good, but Watford were shocking. And, you know, normally there's a reaction to that kind of performance and the manager will have got about them and they'll have been, you know, so hurt by it. But I genuinely in touching wood when I say this, hope you can't see them improving that significantly, you know, so in such a short space of time. Uh, there's still a poor side, which is why they sacked the manager. So, we should have enough. You know, so Gray, Townsend flying around, creating things. Uh, we should have enough to, to win the game. I'm going to go for 2 nil. I'm going to go for us to keep a clean sheet, similar to the, you know, to the Norwich game, maybe. You know, so that kind of performance. And that'll do me absolutely down to the ground. I'd be delighted with that. So, yeah, I'll go for a 2 nil Everton
1: victory. OK, I just should let you know at this point, Adam has gone for 3-1. Adam had to dart out uh, earlier, but he's gone 3-1. Uh Preno, 2 uh, Um Gav, Agree with Preno. I, I definitely agree with Preno on. I think Richarlison's got to start, but I think he starts close to Rondon. I think that's, yeah. that for me is where Rondon's impact has been limited in the fact that yes, he was all he was. He, he came with a, with a um, with a billing and then understanding that he could play the loan role, but he's clearly not 100% fit to do it just yet. So yeah. I think if you if you push Richarlison up with him, I think we might see more from Rondon, should we say to 4
2: 4 2 you mean mm-hmm. with um townsend and gray out wide and yeah and the Charleston, yeah 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 I, exactly yeah, i totally get that i mean i was i was thinking before maybe even 3-4-3 um but maybe junior and townsend out wide in the middle and um gray the Charleston and rondon up front mm um what we don't want is four two three one with Davison you know sitting in um with alan, yeah, so yeah, I think I agree, maybe slight different formation, but we should be you know uh you know thinking we're playing Watford here, who were, i was gonna say and different sh- about them last Saturday than Brown. uh but they were they were not great very really. um a it. I know, uh, just one thing, you've seen me stats, Phil, I don't know how really Ancelotti, it's Ancelotti it? Benitez and uh, Ranieri faced each other, considering yes. he managed in 25 years, well, Ranieri's case longer, they've only faced each other four times in the last 23 years, isn't it, something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And Rafa, yeah. was saying his press, Rafa was saying at his press conference that Ranieri had actually, he replaced him at Valencia.
2: Yeah, yeah, they've, they've never, considering they've managed all around Europe, they haven't played each other. Um, yeah, so taking all the sat that side, our formation is your problems. I'm gonna go with a healthy 2-0. That'll be a nice, uh, nice result for us, uh, tomorrow. And that'd be five wins in would that be five and nine games? Like that? Yeah, okay,
1: yeah. so we'll a couple go. of 2-0s, 3-1 from Adam. I think I'll go somewhere in the middle, I think 2-1. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I Maybe mean, not quite as solid without Decorey, would we be so? Um, but I think a victory nonetheless, and Richarlison being back, hopefully in some some form, is a huge boost. Even if we are missing Decori and Calvert Lewin and and a number of others still. Traps, excellent, um, great stuff, really good pod. That hope you've enjoyed that one. Lots of interesting opinion and, and analysis there, particularly on the ticket stuff. And we will we'll do more on the tickets, uh, the ticketing issues, and the, and and what the future holds for. For, for getting into Goodison and Bramley Moore because I think that's a really interesting topic um, excellent chaps thank you very much for your company uh, thank you very much for listening of course we're across the weekend we'll be at Goodison so stay with us on Saturday afternoon and then into Sunday for the best news and, and analysis and, and opinion and, and comment from hopefully what is another victory so uh, this has been the Royal Blue Podcast You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo